Hey, you doing good? Most of you still trying to figure it out? <laughs> what a good morning. I'm proud the only one who thinks that, all right? <laughs> it's been a good morning. Amen, amen. God's good, isn't he? Just get a sense that there's so much more, so much more. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that you've given us a word to launch into 2022 with. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you breathe upon this word, that you plant the seeds of your word into the hearts of your people that actually helps to prepare us for what you are going to do in 2022. I thank you that you are for us and not against us. You are absolutely committed to seeing this community in which we live in, in the Adelaide Hills and our state, see revival in an unprecedented way because this is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God, that we're a part of that plan. We're a part of your agenda for getting the Kingdom of God established right across the Adelaide Hills and in South Australia. Thank you that you are orchestrating and putting place, uh, things into place even now. And we thank you for this shift in 2022. And I thank you for that. Amen. Well, we're uh, into a series uh, of messages uh, that are all about this single word that I felt like God gave me for this year, and that word is shift. Shift uh, came about as a result of um, a time of uh, prayer and sitting in God's Word. Um, And it was out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 in the Message Bible. And uh, this is what it says. It says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift. Everybody say shift. The focus will shift. From you to God and you'll begin to sense his grace. As I read that passage and I read that word, that word just leapt off the page at me and I knew instantly that this was the word for 2022 for us. I know that there are some things that instantly came to mind about things that need to shift for us as a church and seeing shift in our community as well. Because shift really means about change. It's talking about change. So there's some things that need to change uh, in 2022 for us as a church. And that's the whole journey that we are going on as as a church. Now, uh, this whole change of of focus, this this shift, if you want, is it's about uh, a change of focus. It's a change on many levels. And it means that we are shifting from ourselves, a focus about ourselves to God. So the, the, the passage uh, un, you know, unequivocally says that the focus will shift from you to God, from us to God. So there's a shift that's happening uh, from us ourselves, focusing on ourselves to the kingdom of God. 
Now, that's the shift that, that God wants to establish in Infused Church, in us, in your life and my life for 2022, this whole thing about shift. And last week I, I started to talk about a passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 28. And I, I uh, walked us uh, through that uh, and I want to lean into that a little bit this morning. So uh, just to, as a bit of a recap, Matthew 16 verses 13 to verse 20, talk about the, the moment. And really, this is a pivotal time in the New Testament where Jesus starts to, to teach his disciples something about himself and about his mission, about his purpose in, in uh, being on the earth. So, so Jesus says to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, some say uh, you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? So he starts to drill down with, with, the, with the guys. And Peter, Simon Peter, he, he says, well, you are the Messiah. You're the, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, man, Peter, uh, this hasn't been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. You've had a divine encounter. You've had a divine revelation. And I tell you right now, Peter, uh, sorry, Simon, you, you're going to be called Peter. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against the, the church. But, but, you know, it's not going to uh, overcome uh, that, that the, the church has a revelation um, based on who Jesus is. And, and then he, he goes on, he says, uh, Peter, I'm going to give you the, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he says, whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in, in, in heaven itself. And so that's that, that whole thing about the introduction to, uh, like to, today, what I want to talk about. And I'm going to read specifically from verse 21 to verse 28 this morning, just so to recap and make it fresh in your mind here this morning. So this goes on from where uh, Jesus has just said about loosing stuff on heaven. So he says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples. So he's saying this to his disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So what this, this passage here gives for us is a snapshot of this uh, battle that continues to rage even to today between the spirit and the flesh. There's this whole battle that goes on uh, between the spirit 
and the flesh, where there's this constant tension between uh, what God wants to do and what we want to do. There's this tension that happens. Uh, or am I the only one that feels that that's the, the case? Uh, it sounds like I am preaching to myself again this morning. That's okay. I need to hear this over and over again. That's cool. So there's this tension that goes on. See, Jesus models a kingdom life for us in steadfastly pursuing God's purpose for his life. But Peter, he models the struggle that we all face in laying down our lives daily for Jesus. That's the, 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 you see the two pathways here with this. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and ultimately to the cross. And he talks about a kingdom priority. Jesus was all about his kingdom priority, his kingdom purpose in being on this earth. He says in verse 21, from that time forth, Jesus began clearly to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He uses the word must. He must go to Jerusalem. This is where I'm heading. This is where the Father is leading me. This is where the Spirit of God is drawing me to. I have got to go to Jerusalem. And I've got to say, he knew exactly what was going to happen in Jerusalem. He knew he was headed towards the cross. How do I know that? Let's read on. He says, his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer things at the hands of the elders and the high priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised to life from death. Jesus knew that he was going to Jerusalem to die. But he also knew that the Spirit of God would raise him from the dead, dead on the third day. To, to Jesus, this is a kingdom priority. He had put the kingdom ahead of himself and modelled that for us. What happened to Jesus at the cross was the greatest shift in all of history. If you were to do a study of, of Scripture uh, and look at what was all required to do uh, to be a, 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 a Christian, if you want... That sort of phraseology, or an Israelite, or a Jew, or something. Look at all that they had to do before the cross, but then look at what they didn't have to do any longer as a result of the cross. There was a change. It didn't let us off easier, by the way, just because we see things through the cross. You know, like it says that thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus actually upped the ante. He says, even if you start to think about a woman in the wrong way, you've committed adultery. So grace, we need God's grace to be able to do what God calls us to do. There was a, an outpouring of God's grace as a result of the, the cross. The cross, the shed blood of Jesus was crucial to Jesus's purpose. But Peter couldn't see that or he didn't understand Jesus's ultimate purpose. He only saw that Jesus was heading to a world of pain in going to the cross and in going to Jerusalem. So Peter's mandate was to stop Jesus from suffering. He didn't want Jesus to suffer. It was a purely selfish reason that Peter wanted to stop Jesus from going to the cross. He wanted to save his friend from the pain of the cross. He saw how people were treated in that day. Because I don't believe that you lived in that day and you didn't know that crucifixions were going on. Jesus wasn't the first person to get crucified as a punishment for the things that were going on in that day. They knew exactly what happened at Golgotha. 
And this is what Peter is trying to stop Jesus from going to do. But then we see in verse 22, it says, Peter took Jesus aside to speak to him privately and began to reprove and charge Jesus sharply. He said, God forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. Peter is severely rebuked by Jesus. Severely rebuked by Jesus. If you look at this rebuke, it's one of the toughest rebukes that you'll find in the Bible. Because he never called the, the Pharisee Satan, never called Judas Satan, maybe that he knew that he'd been filled by him. He calls Peter, say, get behind me, Satan. You know what? Yes, Jesus rebuked Peter, but he never left Peter without hope. He never left Peter without hope. Jesus pointed Peter to the life that he'd been called to live, a life of a disciple, a kingdom of God-minded person, a person who wants to extend and live for a kingdom of God purpose. Does anyone here want to live for the kingdom of God purposes in your life today? Is there anybody that is willing to put their cells aside and say, I want to live for kingdom today? This is the challenge and the hope then of every believer here today. Because Jesus tells us what's required. In Matthew 16 verse 24, it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, he's clearly talking to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come and follow me. I love the Amplified Bible because it digs a little bit deeper here. It says, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, see, we don't like this bit. Okay, And if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. I want to say right now, I am inspired and humbled by the missionaries that go overseas and put themselves in harm's way for the kingdom of God to be extended in a community, in a city or a country where it is absolutely lethal to talk about Jesus. I'm humbled by those people that do that. We complain. We get called a Bible basher, a Bible thumper. We're told, you know, like Jesus, Jesus said to Peter and, and his brother Andrew, follow me. But Jesus turned to James and his brother John and said, follow me, right at the beginning of his ministry. And we're told that they immediately left what they were doing and they followed Jesus. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't suddenly go up to, to, to Peter and say, Peter, I want you to follow me. And then he gave him a five-page contract of all of his rights and responsibilities, what was expected of a disciple. He, he said that these are the things, you can have a 15-minute morning tea with a 
caramels, a, a vanilla slice and a, and, a, and a sausage roll and a, and a uh, Jane, here's a, here's a, I want you to follow me. And I, uh, you can have an afternoon tea with a honey log roll. <laughs> if you've never had a honey log roll, you've never lived. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. There was no contract, there was no rights and responsibilities, there was nothing to indicate what follow me meant. And it's only as we arrive at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, that we find out that what following Jesus is all about, what it means, what it costs, what's required of a disciple. He says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is clearly talking to his disciples. Jesus gives Peter the strongest and clearest understanding of what's necessary for those who will follow me. Is there anyone who is going to follow Jesus today? Oh, yeah, there we go. Some of you think, no, I want this contract. Oh, I want, I want the honey log roll version of, of what's going on here to follow Jesus. I want the vanilla slices, you know, a bit of an appetizer to see what's going on. See, we're called to follow Jesus as a disciple, not just to be a believer. Disciples follow. Believers just believe. My email address is pastorgary at infusechurch.org.au. Send the emails. I'll send them to my favourite folder. We are called to follow Jesus, not just to be a believer. The church has been guilty of diluting discipleship to make it more palatable to a sceptical generation. That stops. We've got to stop that. We've, got, we've not been called to make people feel warm and fuzzy in coming to church. We've come to tell them about Jesus and the life of a disciple and about the kingdom of God. The life of a disciple is costly, yet it's thrilling and fulfilling. Matthew 16, 24 contains four qualifications for discipleship. Here they are. Number one. You ready for this? This is a great message, I can tell you. This is a great, you'll listen to this a bit later and you'll think, man, that was a great message. I wish I'd have spoken up then. And God right now is, is marking. He's, no, they didn't say that. They didn't say, no, no, that's not true. They didn't say, he's not going to do that. All right. First one, first qualification of being a disciple is desire. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. The Living Bible says, if anyone wants to be my follower. The New King James says, anyone who desires to come after me. See, desire is a powerful word and it means many things. It can mean longing and, and craving, uh, cravings for Tim Tams. Vanilla slices. Sugar-free things get behind me. <laughs> what the? 
Where did that, who said that? Sugar free, honey log roll. Like, come on. What's that about? See, the early church had a passion to follow the Holy Spirit and to live for the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves. It doesn't say that they were coerced. It doesn't say that they were bullied. It doesn't say that there was a gun held to their head to do what God had asked them to do. There was a natural inclination that they had that they devoted themselves. They took this as their responsibility to follow Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer and a whole heap of other stuff as well. Discipleship is a process that begins with desire, a passion for Jesus. Psalm 40 verse 18 says, I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. In other words, God is on the inside and because God is on the inside, as He is with us because of the person of the Holy Spirit, there is a drawing, a natural leading. God is drawing us to Himself. That's why this morning during worship, I had this strong impression that there's a, a moment of intimacy that if we will draw closer to God, that something could change. That something could shift in our world, shifting our mindsets, shifting our, our understanding of who God is. Can we say that this is our desire too? Are we devoted to seeking and living for the Kingdom of God and doing as the Holy Spirit leads us? Are we committed to put the Kingdom of God before ourselves? Please say yes. I've actually got that in my notes. Please say yes. Because sometimes we just need to know how to respond. The answer is yes. See, desire drives people. It drives them to fame, to wealth, to love, success, happiness, all the rest of it. Desire is an engine. It is a motivator. It drives people to make choices and to changes in their personal pursuit of a goal. Desire is at the heart of discipleship. Some Christians simply lack real desire to follow Jesus. Hey, I understand that. Life gets you down. Life can suck at times. It's just it's not, it's not pleasant. Stuff, you know, it's difficult. You know, Lisa said in, in talking about the community pantry that, you know, she didn't uh, fill her car up, but it still cost her over $100 to fill a car. I did fill my car up, and it cost me $192 to fill it up. So I made Jane get out and walk. No, no, I, did, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't. I, because she said I wasn't allowed to have sugar on my honey log roll for a start. <coughs> yeah. I didn't do that, by the way, all right? So 
Anyone who intends to come with me, it says in the Message Bible, it's a calculated decision to follow Jesus. It's not an emotion. It's not based upon how we feel. It's based, it's based upon making a choice. Though the gates of hell come against me, I'm not going to give up on Jesus. Though the floods overtake me, my God will sustain me and I'm not giving up on Jesus. Though the, the, the bank account tells me how much I don't have, I can tell you right now, I have everything I need in Christ Jesus. He supplies my every need. There's a choice to be made, saints. Being a disciple does not follow salvation automatically. There's a choice involved. There's a shift, a desire to pursue Jesus and his kingdom in 2022. Number two, second qualification of a disciple is denial. And not like what I used to say to my parents when I got caught doing something wrong. No, it wasn't me. A different denial, okay? Just, just saying, just putting it out there for you. Because it says in Matthew 16, verse 24, he, uh, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself. The Living Bible says he must give up all right to himself. Message Bible says you're not in the driver's seat. I am. Self is the enemy of a disciple. Listen to some words that are prefixed by the word self that show how self can dominate us. Are you ready for this? Now, don't get like, suck it on your bottom lip when I start saying this, all right, or being hard on yourself, okay? These are some of the self-righteous, self-centeredness, self-interest, self-confidence, self-consciousness, self-defence. Some of you need that. Self-importance, self-indulgence, self-opinion, self-reliance, self-satisfaction, self-seeking, self-sufficient. All about me, 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 me. Self constantly battles against the kingdom of God. Romans 12.2 says this, Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. We're told to be led and filled by the Holy Spirit, to deny the culture around us and that of our old way of living. Now we are disciples of Jesus. I don't do that anymore. I'm denying myself of having that, that thing because I know that it draws me away from God. It's recognising the things that actually benefit us as a Christian, as a disciple, and our relationship with Jesus is actually worked on and enhanced and becomes more intimate together and casting aside those things that take us away from God. I'm not saying you have to do this either. We get to do this. I love doing things for Jesus, not because I have to, because she's my wife. I love doing things for Jane. I get to make her happy. I get to put a spring in her step. I get to, to, to make her feel good about herself and about where we live and the things that we do. It's not a chore. I love this woman with all my heart. God gave her to me as a gift from heaven. 
Why wouldn't I just do stuff just to put a smile on her dial? You don't have to force me to do that. And it's the same with Jesus. It's the same with Jesus. You don't have to force me to do this. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It says it, it, stuff will tell you it's really good to do. It's, it's really enticing. It's really nice. It's deceitful to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Because this is the, the mindset now that we have. We're, we're renewing our mind, transformed by the renewing of our mind. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified. I've been crucified with Christ. There's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is our desire. This is our motivation. It's the engine of what we want to do is because we know and recognise that God loves us so much and my response to that love is that I'm going to do whatever it is I can do to develop my intimacy and relationship with Jesus Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit and extending God's kingdom. I'll tell you right now, this is a cracker good message. I'm close to getting saved. Jesus denied the devil in the wilderness when he was tempted. Jesus used the Word of God and the Holy Spirit as he denied the devil. As he denied the, de as he denied the devil. We have exactly the same uh, resources and the person available to do that with as well. We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit to help us to make sure that we are able to now talk to the hand. The shift that we can make is to deny self and put his rule and his kingdom first. And number three, <clears throat> third qualification. I can tell you this is going to be a downer for some people here today. Third qualification for being a disciple is death. Well, really. He says, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. See, the Message Bible says, don't run from suffering, embrace it. See, the cross is symbolic of death. Death for Jesus and death of our will over his. In, in John chapter 12, verses 24 to 26, it says this, I'm telling you the truth. A grain of wheat remains no more than a single grain unless it's dropped into the ground and dies. If it does die, then it produces many grains. Those who love their own life will lose it. Those who hate their own life in this world will keep it for life eternal. Whoever wants to serve me must follow me. Is it, are you sensing a theme perhaps? Just wondering. So that my servant will be with me where I am and my father will honour anyone who serves me. See, our lives are like that seed unless we are planted in God's love and we die to ourselves, then the greatness that God has put in every single one of us will not live. We will not see a fruitfulness that can come from our lives by God just being able to release that seed, the fruitfulness from our, our lives if we, we, we die to ourselves. Because there are ministries here 
There are people that are to be reached in our community that will only be reached as we die to ourselves. What do I mean by that? Well, it means that you're okay with being identified as a person who is a, a, a Christian and you're not afraid to tell people that you're a Christian. Now, you need to be wise in how you do that. I'm not saying that you say, oh, I'm a Christian, you're not bad luck, you're going to hell, you filthy, rotten person. That's probably not the way to witness, honestly. It's not going to work, no wonders. But you know what? You could say to someone who's struggling and, and maybe you see is in pain, hey, look, I see that you're, you're in pain here. You, you seem to be uh, hobbling. You, you, is there anything wrong here? Hey, look, you know what? I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, I actually believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God can heal people. Would you mind if I prayed for you? How easy is that? See, our lives are like that seed. Unless we plant it in God's love and die to ourselves, then the greatness of God will not live, uh, God's put in us won't live. This is one of the great uh, dichotomies, the, the, the great enigmas of the Christian faith. See, to, to live, we've got to die. <laughs> to be strong, I've got to be weak. To be rich, I need to be poor. Hey, don't take this up with me. Take it up with God. It's his word. <laughs> See, the, 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 discipleship is a sacrificial lifestyle. The life of a disciple is now marked by dying to what we want, our preference, and instead it's by li living by conviction that Jesus is Lord. The shift for us is in laying down our lives for the cause of Christ. We are called to die daily to, to what gets in the way of us knowing him, of loving him, of serving him, of following him, and of pointing people to him. Number four, fourth qualification of a disciple is determination. Determination. Matthew 16, 24 says, If anyone comes after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You've got to follow me at the start and you've got to make sure you finish well. You continue to follow me. You're bookending this thing. This is an encouragement sandwich for those who like to eat food. There's a bit of food going on today, isn't there? Okay, so how you start the honey log roll is how you're going to finish the honey log roll. Finger, I can taste the sugar on my fingers now. <laughs> the Amplified Bible says, follow me. And in brackets it says, cleave steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living and if need be in dying also. So there's this whole thing about giving up our lives. But there's a determination. Discipleship is a lifelong commitment. It's not just when you feel like it. It's not just you can give up when it gets too hard. Jesus asks for the greatest and most determined commitment of our lives. If we've never committed ourselves to anything before, then commit ourselves to the ways of God today. Jesus asks for that. Jesus was determined to fulfil his purpose and nothing would stop him. Determination is doing what needs to be done even when we don't feel like doing it. So the four things, four things 
desire, denial, death, and determination. They are all marks of a disciple of Jesus. From us to God, the shift from us to God. His kingdom come, his will be done, his love shared, his spirit, his word empowering us. So let me ask us today, how is the level of our desire for Jesus each day? What do I need to say no to each day? What needs to die to be laid down in my life each day? How determined am I to seeking the kingdom of God over my will each day? See, discipleship will challenge us daily. This is the shift that we get to make from us to God. Surely if Jesus says, catch this now, surely if Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God first, then we should seek the kingdom of God first. The, the answer in what we need to do is in the question. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but I promise you this, I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power and you shall speak the word of God. You'll be my witnesses in Mount Barker, in Strathalban, in Nairn, in Little Hampton, in Adelaide, to the farthest corners of the earth. Being kingdom of God focused requires courage, but the reward, the reward, saints, the reward outweighs the demands. Listen to the reward, Luke 18, verse 28 to 29. Peter said to him, we've left everything to follow you, God. We've left everything, Jesus. We've left everything, home, comfort. We've left everything. And Jesus said, I will tell you, the I tell you the truth, Peter said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the, for the sake of the, for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. See, the reward is revival across the Adelaide Hills and right across our state and nation. Souls being saved, kingdom expansion, his church growing and taking back ground from where the enemy and culture has invaded the church. We're going to not stand up for that anymore. We're going to take back those things that the locust has stolen and we're going to see God magnified and glorified. And if we have to put multiple services on here, we shall do it because I believe that there is coming an end time revival because this is the land, this great south land of the Holy Spirit. Every Sunday from 9.40 to 9.55, 15 minutes, we are going to pray for our service. We're going to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Pray for healings. Pray for rededications. Pray for people's lives to be changed. Praying for breakthrough. Praying that God invades our service. And dare we believe that we could ever go past 11.30? I've got two minutes to land this. Our reward is in knowing him now, not then. 
I believe with everything in me that we are being encouraged to make a shift, to make a significant change as a church in 2022. A significant change from us to God and for the cause of Christ. Amen? Let's stand. I'm done. Anyone get anything out of that today? So I got happy thinking about a honey log roll. Lord, I'm sorry for the way I've lived. I ask you to forgive me for making life predominantly about me. I ask your Holy Spirit to come and help me to transform my thoughts by changing the way that I think. Less of me, more of you. Lord, where I decrease and He increases, like John the Baptist said. Lord, I I pray that there is a monumental divine shift. Lord, let it start in us. Let it start in me. A shift from us to You. From our preferences, the way we like stuff, to the way that things need to change so that we can reach more people for You. Holy Spirit, come, breathe afresh upon us today. Breathe afresh upon us today. Touch our hearts and our minds. Soften the hard places of our heart. Help us to let go of the things that we need to let go of. Help us to die to the things that need to die in our lives. Help us, Lord, to follow You. Give us a passion and a desire to follow You. Help us to to live with determination and fully focused commitment to the cause of Christ. In the name of Jesus, would you baptise us afresh with your Holy Spirit today? Fill us to overflowing in the name of Jesus, I pray. No more excuses. No more backing away. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Holy Spirit, come, touch us, fill us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. This morning, I just want to give an opportunity. Uh, we've got a number of people here today who are visiting. I don't know where you come from or how you even got here today. But what I do know is that you found yourself here. I don't want to assume that anybody is a believer here today. I want to give opportunity for you to give up the lordship of running your life from you and giving it to God. You take yourself off the throne and you put God on the throne of your life. Jesus Christ died for you. He shed His blood. Our sin should have been the reason that we should have been nailed to the cross. But Jesus went there for us in our place. He took our place. He paid the price that I could never pay. And this morning, if you, the Bible says that if you believe that Jesus Christ 
paid the price for your sin. You don't have to understand it all. But if you just believe that there is forgiveness for you, is there anybody here just want to say, I believe. I just want to, but help me in my unbelief, Lord. Help me to believe. I want to give my life to Jesus afresh today. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time today. Is there anybody here this morning? You just feel, you just like that you've never done it before, but you want to this morning. Is there anybody? Just put your hand up nice and tall so I can see it, so I know who I'm praying for this morning. Is there anyone here? If anybody here just wants to rededicate their life this morning, just put your hand up nice and tall so I know who I'm talking about, I'm going to be praying for. Anybody here just want to, I want to recommit this morning. I want to get my priorities right. I want to get my commitment right. I want to get my desire right. I want to lay myself down once more. Anybody here this morning? No pressure. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence today. Thank you you've spoken to us and encouraged us and we've had a couple of laughs along the way. It's been good. I'm so glad I came to church today. Came into your presence. Lord, let me go out with my life changed, with my countenance shining with your glory. And Give me someone to talk to as I hit my street, my community, this week. Give me someone to talk to about you. Help me, Lord, to speak to someone about you this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, don't forget, Friday night church, this Friday night, 7.30, got a cracker of a message burning in my heart, but uh, we're going to be going after the presence of God. Just, I, I believe for breakthrough to come. You know, I just want breakthrough to come. I, we need Jesus in, in us. We need to be shining with Jesus. We need God to be moving in our midst uh, constantly. Amen. Well, have a great week. Don't forget, you've been lit up to light up. You've been transformed to bring transformation. Have an incredible week. Don't forget to, if you're interested in helping out with the community care pantry, stick around until about 12 uh, so that you can have a meeting with Lisa, see what's involved with that. Go and pick up your kids so that she can be released to that meeting. Be great. Have an incredible week. God bless.